Teal Talk Radio, Season 6, Episode 30. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 30 of TL Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. And I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. Today, we're speaking with Bob Crow and Jane Kennedy, authors of Developing Student Ownership, Supporting Students to Own Their Learning Through the Use of Strategic Learning Practices. So a topic that we are really curious about, and we know that our guests are really passionate about. So this is going to be a terrific conversation. So... Who are our guests? Bob is co-founder of Elevated Achievement Group, a professional development company dedicated to helping educators develop student ownership at all grade levels. Bob began his tenure in education as a bilingual teacher in California in 1993 when he taught English learners at all proficiency levels. He's since worked across the U.S. supporting administrators, teachers, students, and parents at all school levels to implement standards-based curriculum, instruction, and assessment. And we also have Jane, who is the co-founder of Elevated Achievement Group, along with Bob, and is driven by the expressed desire to focus on supporting educators as she feels they need to be supported with a collaborative approach instead of a top-down approach. Jane began her career in 1991 as a self-contained classroom teacher in an inner-city setting, and this initial experience infused Jane with a passion for educational equity that has influenced her subsequent career focus. So welcome to our podcast, Bob and Jane. Thank you. We're excited to be here. Thank you. Wonderful. So let's get our conversation started um, with an understanding of what brought each of you to this focus on student ownership. Well, Jane and I both have about uh, 30 years each in education, um, starting out as teachers and then working with teachers to support uh, what was going on in the classroom and with our kids' education. And one of the things that you hear over and over and over from teachers, from administrators, is a lot about the kids and these kids aren't, it's always these kids, these kids aren't motivated, these kids uh, just wait around until something um, is given to them and they're very frustrated around um, what they're perceiving as kids lack of caring about their own learning. And because of the work Jen and I did, it was interesting because we knew why teachers were saying that, but that was never our experience with kids, especially when you would work with the kids to show them and explain to them what was the value of learning. And since we're the teachers, that really is our role. And so one of the things that we did starting about six or seven years ago Uh, when we began our company is we really looked at the research that said if a kid is going to achieve at higher degrees, now I'm going to state obvious things. He needs to be engaged. Um, He needs to be motivated. Um, He needs to be a self-directed learner. Um, He needs to self-advocate. And so all these things uh, are true and there's too much research around it. And so what Jane and I did is really began to think about how can you develop student ownership? Because what the research says, it's not like a finite trait where kids either have it or they don't. And so for us, it really um, comes down to our desire to have every kid be as uh, successful as possible. And then that means they have to own their learning. So, Bob, you mentioned this idea of research and, and grounding your work and sort of 
what you've learned from the research. So let's let's dig into that a little bit and this idea of like wh- why is student ownership so important? What's this research saying? And does any of that have you found any of that connecting to sort of this context that we live in and how this changing world and is it being is it more important that when learners leave us that that they have this this ability to be self-directed and um, to own their learning and own their choices? Yeah, I think that it, it's always been important. I'm not sure we were always aware of its importance. Um, you know, when we think about our whole educational system, I mean, everything, every part of it is there for students. It's there for their learning. We know that our job is to prepare our students to be college and or career ready. Um, yet for many of them, what we've been finding is that they're able to leave K-12 and get a job. They're able to leave K-12 and get into college, but they're not necessarily being successful there. Hmm. And the feedback we're getting from um, the workforce that we're getting from college is that we have students that are coming there without that really that mindset, that motivation, that understanding that they have a critical role in their own learning. So many of them are coming and just saying, hey, boss, hey, college professor, what do you need me to do next? And after I've done it, how did I do on it? And now what do you want me to do after that? Versus really beginning to understand that they have the authority, the capacity and the responsibility to own their own role in their learning. So I think it's something that we've always known, but we're really now it's come to the forefront of something that we have to, to Bob's point earlier, we have to develop. We have to be very intentional of how we support students. And we really talk about the difference from a student who is doing to a student who is understanding to a student who is owning their learning. And in that continuum, we look at a student who is doing would be if I were to you know, ask little Bobby, hey, what are you learning today? And he's going to tell me, oh, I need to complete this task. I need to read this chapter. I need to solve these problems. He's very clear about what he needs to do in that moment. And then he waits for the teacher to tell him how he did. On that continuum, we move more towards a student who's understanding. These are the students that understand, oh, my job is to learn. And there are some specific things I'm learning. And so I want to be very aware that, gosh, I'm learning how to be a better reader. So I need to read this chapter and answer these questions. I'm learning how to solve these math problems. So I need to solve them and do them at the best level I can. And then my goal is to get better grades and to achieve. But we're really talking about students who own it. And students who own their learning are super clear on what am I learning right now? What specific? Why am I learning this? How will I use this learning beyond today? How will I know when I'm successful? What will I do if I'm struggling? What is my role in a classroom? So these students have that awareness and they don't just have the awareness. They value knowing those answers and they demand to know those. And so as we work towards that continuum, we want to support the adults to support the students to really build towards ownership and understand why that's important to them and their success. And Randy, you had asked about kind of the shifting um, in terms of learning and what's going on. And so one of the things I think about when I was in school in the 60s and 70s, I did really, really well. And I didn't know how I did well, except I really liked school and I did well. And that was good enough for me to get into college and have a successful career. 
It also meant that kids who didn't understand what was going on in school at that time, they still had viable options to have a successful life. What we're looking about today is the fact that if you don't really understand how you learn, you're going to struggle both in college and career. And one of the quotes um, in the book that I like, it's from a high school senior, and he's figured this out. And he says, I think one of the best things I learned in high school was about the growth mindset in my psychology class. It never occurred to me that I was in control of how I approached my own education. I can look at something negatively. I can't do that, so I won't do that. Or I can look at it positively with the growth mindset. I can't do that now, but with help and perseverance, I will be able to do it. This mindset will help me with all of the challenges I'm going to face in college. That's exactly where we're headed. But this is sad. That's a high school senior. Mm. He should have had 13 years of thinking of that. Mm -hmm. And so that's why what we're looking at is how do you develop it, even starting early as preschool kids or kids in a kindergarten class? How do they really understand this about them and their brains and they're getting stronger and stronger? And that is crucial today, given what the future brings in terms of how we're going to have to be successful. Yeah, and it is such a, a core competency that our that our learners need to have um, to really be successful in this in this world that they're going into. Yeah. So continue with that idea. Um, what are some examples or non-examples that our listeners might identify with? You know, what does this uh, idea of student ownership look like and sound like in our classrooms? And and maybe a couple of examples, you know, you referenced all the way down to kindergarten and through the high school career opportunity. And so what we're really looking at, Lynn, is the kids' ability to answer certain questions and understand what they're answering. So obviously, we're looking at things like asking a student, what are you learning? If they say, I don't know. Well, that's a non-example. Mm -hmm. That's a kid who's clueless. <laughs> if they just say, I'm doing math, mm -hmm. that means they understand the content. But the example I want to start with is the one that we opened the book with. And so we did, uh, we were in a third grade classroom, and I think it was outside Chicago, Jana. I'm not 100% sure. Um, and we were, um, ask a little girl, uh, what are you learning? And so what we did and used to getting in that class is we're reading Charlotte's Web. <laughs> okay. Um, but in this case, she answered, and so I'm going to read it verbatim, but I'll try to read it, you know, excitedly. So it's not boring. Um, so we asked her the question and she goes, today, I am learning how to describe characters by their traits, motivations, and feelings. We are reading Charlotte's Web and I am describing Wilbur in chapter three. I will know that I have done a good job taking notes on this by filling out my character map accurately. I am learning how to do this because when we finish the book, I am writing an opinion essay on which character is most admirable, Charlotte Wilbur or Fern. I will take notes on all of the characters to use as details in my essay. I am checking with my friends in my group because they will help me figure out if I have left um, any important information out of my notes. I will help them because that's how we help everybody in the class get smarter. I like working on groups because the talking helps me better understand what I am thinking. I like this class because I get smarter every day. So in that response, and it was more of a back and forth conversation, but in that response, this little girl is clear. What is the skill she's learning today? What does it look like when she's learned it and begun to practice it? Um, when is she going to use it in the future? She's very clear how working with other students is helpful for her. 
She's understanding the process she's using to get the information. So this is a very clear example of a student owning their learning. A lot of people say there's no way a third grader said that. And we're here to say, yes, there is. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to talk about later is how did the teacher get them there? She didn't just extemporaneously pop this out of her mouth the first five minutes of third grade. This took work from the teacher and understanding from the student how this was going to um, support her own learning. The thing we like about answers like this is we're hopeful that when she gets to fourth grade, she knows she should get this information. So if the teacher's not offering it, she still might be asking, well, it's like, oh, excuse me, sir, or madam, or whoever, kind teacher, uh, would you mind letting me know what I'm actually learning right now? Because that's going to help me learn it to a higher degree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and along that continuum, it, it is the phase of A, the teacher being aware that this is important, B, sharing these decisions with the students, getting the students to the place where they begin to realize, wow, this actually supports me. And to what Bob was just saying, I'm gonna demand it. It's going to be a part of what I expect in all my learning opportunities. Um, and, and to piggyback on the example, uh, this year I was at a high school we've been working with on the West Coast. I was in a US government class and uh, I was talking to a young lady and she was working on something. So I asked the question we always start with, what are you learning? And she let me know, oh, we're learning about the legislative branch of government. And I said, oh, okay. So talk to me about why are you learning that? And she said, oh, well, we're gonna be learning about all three branches of government because we are going to be looking at why we have the three branches, why we've set up our system with checks and balances, what's the purpose of each one and why are the checks and balances so important? I'm like, uh oh, okay. So talk to me about what you're working on right now. What are you learning right now? And she's working on an illustration with her, her peer. And she said, well, we've been learning about the legislative branch. So we had taken some notes. So we had to get together and um, put our notes together, make sure they were really strong. And now we're beginning to create a visual of what is the role of the legislative branch. I thought, huh. So I asked her, I'm like, well, that kind of seems, you know, you have all your notes. Why do you have to go about drawing this picture, you know, adding, uh, asking a leading question on purpose. And she said to me, she said, oh, well, when I take my notes, I use one side of my brain. When I then have to show it in a picture, it makes me use another side of my brain. That helps me really understand what I'm learning. And I'll keep this information longer. And I kind of gave her a stunned look. And I said, okay, how do you know that? And she just said, oh, because I'm really smart. But then she laughed and she goes, no, that's what my teacher told us. Mm. And I'm just listening to this young lady. She is super clear on what she's learning. She was super clear on how she was going to use this learning beyond today. And she was super clear on how she was learning it and why that was valuable to her. It was a really exciting conversation. Uh, and to Bob's point, it starts in elementary and then it begins to just really build and develop for these students. One of the things that um, we find is what kids are actually saying about the experience. So um, here's a quote from a fifth grader, and it says, um, when they're working together, the value of talking with each other. And uh, he says, talking helps me understand my thinking. Sometimes I know what I'm thinking, but when I try to explain it, it doesn't make any sense. Um, telling someone else helps me figure out how my, uh, lets me, telling someone else helps me figure out my ideas. And listening helps me understand what other kids are thinking. 
So what we're looking at is kids are understanding the value. To Jane's point, they probably need to be told by the teacher the value, but at some point they'll be demanding it. And earlier you guys had said maybe some non-examples. Well, here would be a non-example. Never let the kids talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Never let the kids make meaning with each other. Mm-hmm. Never let the kids figure out uh, what's going on. We have all been in the classroom where we go, blah, blah, blah. One kid turns to his friend and says, what did he just say? And the kid says the exact same blah, blah, blah. And the first kid says, how come the teacher didn't say it that way? And then you're recognizing there's this kid to kid language that needs to be happening. And when kids understand that, it really is beginning on how do they make meaning? And it could be, I need to get it from somebody else. And that's all perfectly fine. So lots of nuance, and I would say complexity in, in those examples. If you, you know, break it out, all the, the, the richness of the thinking that that student is owning. Let's talk about how a teacher creates that. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the shifting role of the teacher. You know, when we went to college, it was a lot about uh, teacher as content disseminator. Now it's more like teacher as designer. So how does a teacher design the conditions uh, for this student ownership? And so what I like about um, how you ask the um question, um, Randy, is the fact that even though we're talking about student ownership, all of our work really is about the power of the teacher and the power of the teacher as the decision maker in the classroom. And so what we're really looking at is the role of the teacher. Number one is to make strong decisions. The first big mind shift for a teacher is to really go from what am I teaching tomorrow to what are my students learning tomorrow. And it all has to be focused on the learning. And so as soon as the teacher recognizes, oh, my kids have to learn how to analyze characters and blah, 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 or my kids need to be able to differentiate between the three branches of government, it becomes clear what the kids have to learn. That means then what the teacher needs to do during planning, every single decision that that teacher makes has to be based on the kids learning it not based on how they want to teach. And so what you discover in our book is these decisions really need to be around the framework of what do kids need to know when it comes to the curriculum? How do kids need to learn when it comes to instruction? How do kids know if they're learning when it comes to assessment? And how do they work to uh, work together as a group of scholars when it comes to climate? And so the teachers are making these decisions and if they're made based on learning, Yay, 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 that's half the battle. The very last piece is, then the teacher needs to share with the kids their decisions. And so a lot of times we're in classrooms, teachers are making amazing decisions, having kids do some amazing work, but the kids are unclear why. So it really kind of boils down to, what are my kids learning? Every decision is gonna be based on that, and I need to tell my kids the decisions that I made and why. And that very first one, that shift from, what am I teaching tomorrow to what are my students learning tomorrow is a really big shift for a lot of teachers. And so, you know, Bob had said we use the framework of curriculum, instruction, assessment, and climate. And so for many curriculum, many of the teachers are still in the mindset of what do I need to teach tomorrow? And I'm going to get through that lesson. Mm -hmm. This is a shift to what do I need my students to learn tomorrow? And instruction, many of them are beginning still thinking, well, how am I going to teach it? 
this is a shift to given that outcome in curriculum, how will these students best learn it? Assessment, the more traditional teacher is still under the thinking of, well, how will I know if my students have learned it? This is a shift to really getting to how will my students know what is the success criteria and how will they know throughout the learning how they're progressing towards that. And then finally with climate, some of the teachers are still in the mindset of, well, what classroom environment do I want? And this is a shift to how am I going to develop an environment where students are super clear of what is their role in a classroom of learners? So it can sound very simple in a sentence. Oh, we need to shift from what am I teaching to what are my students learning? But it's a big shift for a lot of teachers. And what we really did in the book is really kind of step out. Well, how do you begin to do that? What does that look like? What is the planning like? What are the things you need to be considering as you make that shift? And then, as Bob said, the shift goes from once that's cemented with a teacher, I need to be super clear on all the decisions I'm making every single day is about student learning. And then it gets to the place of how do I consistently, intentionally share these decisions with the students so they become a part of this? And one of the things that bottom line in our work is the power of the teacher and the fact that they are in a child's educational career, the most important person in it. And they have the power to get children to think differently. And part of our work really is based on the fact that we honestly believe, given the research and given what we have seen <clears throat> over the last 30 years um, working in education is that teachers do have the ability to make a kid motivated, make a kid own his learning. They actually can do that. So it's not a finite piece. So for us, it really is making sure that the teacher understands what power they have and then what supports can they offer kids so that they can actually become the students they want. So let's talk about that idea, Bob, of supports that teachers can put in place for learners to foster greater student ownership. Yeah, Lynn, that's a great question. Um, and, and I think that's really what brought Bob and I to writing this book is we saw the research, um, it, it, it's deep research, it, it's credible research. What seemed to be missing to us is but what does it look like in practice? What does it sound like in practice? And then what do I specifically need to do as a teacher to support and develop that? So using our continuum of curriculum, and, excuse me, our framework of curriculum, instruction, assessment, and climate, we've developed the 12 strategic learning practices. So these are the specific supports that a teacher can provide each and every day to the students that really develop and foster student ownership. Um, so for example, in curriculum, uh, one of the first strategic learning practices is each and every student is supported by relevant standards with measurable and achievable objectives that are accessible and drive all learning. So in a nutshell, if we want students to own their learning, the key word in that practice is accessible. But the teacher is super clear, what is the learning today? What's the success criteria of that learning? And how am I going to be 
certain that my students know what that is before the learning even starts to take place. Um, in instruction, an example practice is each and every student is supported by opportunities for meaningful engagement using structured student-to-student -student communication. So really making sure as a teacher, how am I providing those opportunities for students, as Bob was referring to earlier, to really begin constructing their own understanding, having strong conversations with their peers as they begin to take the information they're receiving and make sense of it. And so what we've been able to do in the book is take these specific supports, break them down. What do they mean? What do they sound like in practice? How do I intentionally plan for them? And what are the outcomes of them? The thing that we're talking about, and these really are supports. So one of the things we don't want to give the impression that kids just extemporaneously do this because the teacher told them once. So, for example, um, <laughs> we know right. that's not the yeah. way it happened. <laughs> I mean, I taught middle school, so I know. Um, so here's an example from um, a support that a teacher's offering her primary students. You have to be second grade in math. And she goes, I have my students turn and talk at every transition in the lesson. I have them remind each other of the learning intention and the success, success criteria. And she actually uses those two terms. Um, this helps them stay on track and gives me a chance to check for understanding. And so that is the teacher who clearly is offering the support of the kids making meaning with each other. Um, here's another one where the teacher support is actually what they posted on the wall. So um, an upper elementary student is talking about the scholarly behaviors that they're expected to demonstrate every day in class. So it says, my teacher has a chart on the wall that tells about scholarly behaviors. Each month we get to choose a behavior we want to focus on. At the end of each week, we write at least three ways we exhibited the behavior and how it helped us learn. If we do that, we get a free homework pass. I wish all my teachers did this because I do most of them all of the time. This really helps me in learning. And so the supports can be visual, can be auditory, um, need to be practiced, need to be modeled and most importantly, needed to, need to be reflected upon so kids know where they are in the process. And so um, we call them strategic learning practices for a specific reason. In our book, we are only looking at the practices that increase learning and they're strategic, meaning the teacher gets to decide when to offer the support or not. So a lot of nuance we learned today about student ownership. So for our listeners, if uh, anything that Bob and Jane has shared has intrigued you, definitely go out and dig into the book and do a close read of that because you're going to get a lot more information that's going to help you elevate your uh, game around student ownership. Uh, so as we go into the last lap of our conversation here, we finish uh, with a lightning response round of questions. Are you ready? <laughs> We're ready. All right, our first one. Oh, I love, I love that excitement from Bob. <laughs> yes, yes. I think we're going to get some good answers here, Lynn. Who is one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about this idea of students owning the learning? We're excited because I'm going to change it. Here's two experts. The first one we're going to say is actually um, follow Elevated Achievement Group. Um, and then we're going to say one person, if you've never heard of him or read anything by him, would be John Hattie. All right, second question. If you're <laughs> recommending one book to our listeners, what would it be? 
Well, it's more than one book, but you're correct. It's anything by John Hattie that has visible learning in the title. And there are quite a few. English, there's uh, for math. The original one, which is the meta-analysis, is fascinating, kind of dry, but it's fascinating. Um, um, John Hattie, visible learning. All right. And our last lightning response question, how do you keep learning about this topic? Who do you learn from regularly? A website, resources, people? Yeah, I think we really take advantage of the LinkedIn community. Um, what's really powerful about that is, you know, the use of the, the hashtags to what concepts, what topics are important to you, uh, finding those thought leaders, uh, thought partners, and um, it, it expands you beyond just what you might find in a book, but really what's happening out there and it's pushed towards you. You know, uh, you know, learning forward is one I know that I follow yeah. and a lot of the articles and the research that they post just keeps you up to date. So I think it's one of the greatest resources we have right now. All right. So last question for us um, and for our listeners, what are you working on now? What's next for you, Bob and Jane, uh, that you might like to share with our listeners? Yeah, so we're excited to share. We're working on our second book. And uh, this book is really going to be for instructional leaders. Uh, it's going to use the research uh, to help us really determine what's the most effective and efficient practices for increasing support for teachers. So teachers begin owning their own role in their professional learning. And so we have developed the strategic learning practices for adults. Um, and so making sure that we understand that the role of administration in developing a culture of ownership of their teachers and other educators in the campus is their key to elevating achievement. And so we're going to delve into why must we support teachers during their learning? Um, what are the supports that help them increase their ownership of their learning? How do we go about supporting them? And even going into how do we begin to differentiate uh, based on the needs of the various teachers. So we're super excited. Uh, we're hoping that possibly uh, maybe at the end of this um, year maybe, of 2020, hopefully. beginning yeah. of 2021, that book will be out and available. And one of the things for us that that is so fun about this work is um, we're not out to write books. That was what's so weird about even the first book, but it comes from the work we've done. So we hope or we want the listeners to know that if you're looking at developing student ownership, this is from five years of actually implementing this work in schools. And it's going to be the same with the next book. We've worked so um, much over the last years with administrators and their changing role and really defining what is an instructional leader that we are now ready to put it in a book. Mm -hmm. So that's always kind of fun for us, too. Well, that sounds great. Thank you so much for sharing um, those resources as well as what you're working on next. And we'll look forward to um, seeing that publication at the end of the year, perhaps. And maybe you'll come back and share the results of that work with our listeners and us as well. We'd thank love you to. Thank you. Thank you. So each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking conversation and reflection. This episode's question, how might you foster more student ownership in your learning environment? If you've enjoyed this episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 6, Episode 30. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Bob and Jane. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.